Welcome to the Circuit Clouds Podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball. Purveyors of fine fake baseball since 2003. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary of the launch of the league. I think it was in April of 2003. So we'll have to do something special for that. I was actually thinking of having, of actually having some kind of a weekend United League getaway somewhere, like in in June or July, something like that. Uh, I nominate Carmel. That's a good idea. Yeah. Weather's great all the time. (laughs) Right, Joining us today, Charlie Qualls, fresh back from Carmel. How you doing, Charlie? Hey, guys. Doing good. Staying dry. You getting oh rain God. down there? No rain down there. A little bit. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, uh, it was pouring, man. It was just, it was buckets. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, cool. And joining us from St. Louis Maroons, GM Glenn Reed. Yo, yo, yo. And fresh from a drive from between Toronto and Chicago, we have LA Outlaws GM Peter Vays. How are you doing, Peter? Good. Good evening, everyone. And happy new year to all. We're all working on, on kind of limited sleep, limited preparation. So this is going to be uh, an interesting, uh, maybe the, the the least prepared season preview <laughs> podcast, but we'll see how that goes. Who needs facts? Exactly. It should make for, <laughs> it should make for Way intrigue. to sell it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... As years in the past, we're going to count from the bottom to the top of the league. We're going to start with kind of like the rebuilding teams, and we're going to base it off of Glenn's ratings. Uh, we'll have most. We'll have Glenn lead off with his comments, and then Pete and Charlie and I will will chime in with some comments. The number sixteen team is the Cleveland Barons. Uh, last place what? last year. It's a, a huge soccer. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> you only lost uh, one hundred and five games last year. Oh, that's it! Dang. So, Glenn, take take it away. Is Cleveland? Uh, are they looking? To, are they going to lose a hundred again? Or? Yeah, definitely. I think hundred hundred losses. You're locked in for hundred losses, bro. Uh, no. Yeah, it's almost almost the exact same ratings total two years in a row. So, so good job, bro. No, the number no. one pick. Yeah, no, you got the number one pick, dude. Locked up. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. No, I don't think uh, – I, I, yeah, it's, I don't see anybody worse, obviously, but uh, I don't think we're going to be as bad as advertised. It's going to be depending on some rookies, McGrain and O'Neal, uh, who else, Serhoff. So, you know, it's going to depend on what those guys do. Can they keep us from triple digits? I think we're going to get close. I think we're going to – I don't think we're going to break 100 this year. I'm calling it. 63 and 99. Here we come. You heard it here first. Cleveland had a really good draft. So I didn't really take a look, big look at their major league team because I'm also predicting somewhere in the 95 to 105 losses, but the draft was amazing. So I think this this team will be back. I do think this is the first time uh, in league history that a team has had five first round picks. and just to review, you took three starters with those, Tom Glavin, Joe McGrain, and Al Leiter. McGrain is mm-hmm. your opening day ace. Yep. Um, it looks like Glavin and Leiter are a couple years off, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, sad thing is, you know, I was prepared to take five starters in that first round. I was mentally geared up. I was just going to go. I was, I want to rebuild around pitching. And I was, but, you know, Serhoff, that, that was a gift. And yeah, I couldn't I, pass that up. Yeah, and, and then with Walt Weiss at 14. Walt Weiss. I was ready to take Wells, but I literally just got three lefty starters. It's like, I don't know, can you have five lefty starters? I guess there's no law against it, but just don't so, start building yeah, a new yeah. stadium that favors yeah. lefties. There you go. Dang, that's a good idea. So, yeah. but I don't think we're going to be, uh, you know, we, the defense is not quite as good with Ozzy gone, but up the middle, we're still pretty solid. Got a lot of speed still. So, yeah, like I said, Paul O'Neill's a new, a new twist in there and. Sir Hoff, when he gets off the injured list, I think uh, we're going to score a few more runs. Going to surprise some people, and uh, I don't. There might be some teams with some key injuries. Could be worse. Could be worse than me. Not that I'm, you know, hoping for that. But <laughs> <laughs> do we know the class? I mean, dude, the upcoming class is amazing, right? So, well, I mean, the first yeah. pick again could be like super beneficial. I think so. I think so. And that's, that's what changed me, changed my mind from taking Burks. Cause I was prepared. I was going to take Burks McGrain. I had it locked in, but then that gla- that class popped up and it's like, I know the ratings don't really mean anything at this point, but looking at four or five possible aces coming out of that class yeah. and like, everybody's going to get one. So I got to load up on whatever I can right now before everybody starts surpassing me that way. Yeah, the 1988 class, uh, Randy Johnson, John Smoltz, Kurt Schilling, Ramon Martinez. Dang. Uh, that's all right. I mean, that's, that's all right. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, oh. but also Mark Grace, uh, a couple of good second basemen, Roberto Alomar and Craig Biggio, and then Gary Sheffield in right field. So it, it actually looks like it's, you know, fairly well. All the stars are kind of like scattered around the field and as opposed to certain years where it's been concentrated in one position. All right, shall we move on to number 15? This is a shocker. Glenn has Brooklyn rated is it at a- number 15. Is that right, Brooklyn? Yeah, is it a shocker? Every year I, it, I, it, I it is. down. I mean, this is a team that um, they actually did have a losing season last year. It was their first losing season since 1975. I think that was the longest, uh, might one of the longest running streaks. So they were just under 579 and 83. So what's the big, and they finished ninth overall last year. You have them pegged for 15th. What, where's the big drop off? Uh, well, that's a good question. Let's see if I have my list from last year. So, uh, last year he was one, two, three, four, five, sixth from the bottom. This year he's second from bottom, but the ratings total is almost the exact same. So what that tells you is every other team got better. So one of the themes or things that I've noticed here, or that it's obvious from doing this is that all the guys like, so think of all those guys coming into the league. They're like 22 rated. I mean, just start, you know, Burks or, uh, you know, bonds is now like already like 23, 24. Right. So, a lot of teams that were like down. Um, what's another good example? Havana has Kalvoski Daniels, right? Like he's a guy who was, you know, before he was using like maybe a 15 rated guy or even an 18 rated guy. Well, now he's got a 23, right? So everybody has the ratings totals have moved up for almost every team except for Charlie's team and except for Brooklyn. Mm. <laughs> so, so if you don't move and everybody else takes a 10 point jump, you 
you automatically fall down. So I think that's what happened. So um, let's see. I mean, you know, the thing is, too, a lot of his guys, like, they only do one thing well, right? I mean, so other than Landro, obviously Landro's for real, but, like, Stapleton is his number three hitter. Stapleton is a seven contact, nine avoid K, so that's he, he dominates in that avoid Ks, you know, high contact uh, type of framework. But he only has four power, three I. So you're looking at a 14-rated guy as your three-hitter. So, I mean, you're talking about who's the worst four-hitter in the league. I submit that's the worst three-hitter in the league, you know. So, And the rest of his team is all like that. So if I'm counting, you know, I'm counting the three major categories, I don't count avoid Ks in my thing. If I'm just counting those three big categories, he, he's never going to fare very well, and he never has. But like I said, now it's worse because people around him are adding studs. And the thing is, so here's the thing we should say, he does have the number one farm. So it's not really surprising that his team isn't like that good now. It would be shocking if he was like, oh yeah, I'm a playoff contender and I have the number one farm, right? So so he has made a bunch of draft picks. He just, he's drafted for potential, whereas other people have drafted for, you know, more fully developed guys. So as I say, some people are bringing in 22 rated guys. Well, he has 22 rated guys or 22 potential guys. They just haven't arrived yet. So that's my logic on, on Brooklyn. Yeah, the last two drafts, he's drafted Kevin Brown, David Cohn, and David Wells yeah, in the first two rounds. So he definitely building a rotation for the future. I just looked up his team age because what you're saying would suggest that he's his team's just getting old and getting bad, but they're right in the middle. They're ninth. They're kind of right smack in the middle in team age in both pitchers and hitters. So that's not the issue. I think the issue is he just didn't bring in talent the way that uh, current talent, the way that some other teams did. So, so I don't have them finishing last in their division. I think Manhattan will run away with it, but I had them pretty close with Montreal and Boston, which with the three of them being somewhat interchangeable. And the reason is, I mean, the top of his rotation is still very good. You, know, you still have Scott Sanderson, then you got Britt Burns and Bruce Hurst. So Hurst and, and Burns are pretty good, and Sanderson is, you know, top 10 SPs in the league still, so elite. And then his lineup is very much what Glenn said. Everybody does something, but not everything. But you've got Julio Franco and Mike Greenwell in there who are still developing. So I don't know what they're rated currently. It might be in that 18 to 19 range. By the end of the year, they could be 22s. Right? Julio's almost done. I think he still needs power. But Mike Greenwell could go up in multiple categories still. And then he's got the, the usual cast of Brooklyn guys that don't look that good in ratings, but somehow perform and end up getting wins for him. So I, I, I think they're actually look slightly better than last year. Uh, and the future is super bright with the three pitchers you just mentioned. So, but I, I'm not convinced they even come in last in their own division, much less uh, as the 15th team in the league. Yeah, I, I think they could compete for the first pick. I'm not, it's like, I, I was a little shocked to see this team where they are. But like you said, if you look at their farm system, there that could be if you add and if you add one more next year one guy you know it's like you got four aces five potential aces and sanderson you know it's like yeah it's scary to see this team is going where i want to be going and far as far as 
you know, getting those aces in there. But like you said, they're the development is that's, that's what scares me on these guys because the odds are one of them or two of them may not make it that far. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed, but um, this could be a really top-notch rotation in a few years. All right, let's move on. Number 14 on our list is the Toronto Polar Bears. This is a team that last year was 14th overall. So that's exactly where we have Glenn has them pegged. This year they were 65 and 97. It was only their third year. They've kind of just regressed since they they won 84 games that first year. Remember, they missed the playoffs by, I think it was a one game. They were in a one game playoff. Right, that's right. Gooden blew that one game playoff that would have put them in the in the in the playoffs. And then last year they won 72. Or sorry, two years ago they won 72. Last year they won 65. So this team's been kind of on the decline since the since the very beginning. And Glenn, it sounds like you don't have see them bouncing back this season is that correct no i was trying to look so you know <laughs> we've done a lot of preparation for this call right so i got my notes all put together <laughs> not so i was trying to look real quick and see so i think that the issue like the where they fall down the most because right you're right like, oh my god he's got dwight Gooden. i think he signed parsons who's you know not a stud mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination but he's solid right you know clyde is still halfway decent so some of his guys are like, I mean, let's go. They're not that good, but they're serviceable. So behind good, and he has serviceable guys. His bullpen isn't great either. In fact, I think he has one of the worst. Yeah, he does. He has one of the worst bullpen. So okay. So the problem is, his, now I figured it out his pitching isn't good, and he has the worst defense. Let me make sure that that's true. Yeah, he has the worst defense by a long shot. So and and in particular, his up the middle is extremely poor so sacks you know is a five at second base and his shortstop is mariano duncan is six. Oh well there you go uh, so, mariano so, duncan okay so there you go so i didn't account for that trade so i did this before so 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 he's actually made a little bit higher so you know five six but like burks in center is a four right so i mean you see where i'm coming from right so yeah, Ozzy Virgil, the catcher, is a four as well. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So if you have four, four, five, six up the middle, so that's actually nineteen. So yeah, so I actually gave him a little more credit than he had. So, so in nineteen, that's again, that's that's easily the worst up the middle. So, so if your pitching isn't that good and you have a, you know, really very bad defense, you're, you're I mean, he's spot. I mean, again, I don't think he's going to challenge Charlie for the last pick because he has other things that I like a lot actually. So let's talk about the things that are good. You know, Joyner, Bell, Pasqua, Burks, his offense or his hitting offense and for, uh, sorry, his hitting outfield and first base are really very good. So offensively, he's going to score, but he's going to give up just a shitload of runs. So um, that's the reason why I can't think that he's going to compete. Gave up the most runs in the league last year. Is that true? Well, there you go. So he's going to, he could very well. In fact, I don't think very well. I think it's almost certain that he'll do that again. Yeah, that's a good observation. So, so I, I I thought his lineup was interesting, not, not because of the talent, but a couple of interesting things where I think he's the only lineup where the second baseman and the shortstop hit one two. Um, Bell and Joyner are interesting. They they were much better than I thought they would be. Uh, 
Dan Pasqua is super interesting. So he had 30 home runs last year. Guess what his war was? 2.0. Which I don't know how he did that. I I mean, I don't know the formula for war, but I would figure if you poke 30 home runs, you gotta be you gotta be worth something to your team. So here it is. So that was just interesting. Yeah, his on base is 300. Uh, he had 132 strikeouts, and he's a a minus fielder. So that was it. Like, uh, it, uh, that's basically all he does. He's like a Rob Deere, Dave Kingman type. Yeah, um, and then Burks obviously is, is going to be good. We'll see if the fielding works out. His his range actually isn't bad. I think it's seven or eight. So I know he's not rated as a great center fielder, but I I've had worse. I think on my team before and been okay. But yeah, I mean, same read. The pitching after Gooden is, is very weak. Defense is weak. Hitting is interesting, though. I think he's built a very interesting lineup out of some guys I didn't think were going to be this good, but are. Yeah, I think you, you lock in Gooden for, what, 20 wins, 300 Ks. But yeah, Parsons, you, you just got to gotta throw in guys who can strike out <laughs> the guys because your defense is not going to do it. Parsons might be all right, but again, he had that crazy defense behind him in Detroit last year. Steve is another guy who, after leaving uh, Cleveland, he kind of took a hit because he just didn't have any, he doesn't strike out anybody. And so, yeah, it's going to get ugly as far as giving up runs. Um, but yeah, Sachs, though, he's a for real leadoff hitter. I love that guy. And uh, Burks throwing him in center, that's going to, he could undo any damage that he does with his bat. So that's the only thing that scares me. I think you just got to put, put him in a corner and let him do his thing, you know? So I don't, I don't get where Aussie Virgil fits in anything. Um, <laughs> if you're going to have a guy who can't hit behind the plate, at least get a glove, you know what I mean? So it just seems like maybe he's holding the place for McFarland, but it's just, yeah. you, you gotta, you gotta have a catcher for, for those pitchers. You gotta have somebody to give them a little bit of a boost. Otherwise it's just going to get real ugly. Yeah, um, I like the bullpen is all right, but Jackson's not quite where he's should eventually end up. Um, he's going to be sweet once he develops. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Paul Merrill's almost ready. I mean, he, he's probably already better than Pasqua. So yeah, I like that, that guy. He's going to be awesome. Oh I think yeah. I, tried, I think I tried to trade for that guy. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah eight contact nine power yeah he, he should be okay do we think uh ellis burks is the favorite to be rookie of the year i don't know mm. there's gotta be a lot of good ones right isn't he like hurt up. isn't he hurt already for a couple weeks that could hurt his case oh yeah two weeks elbow tendonitis yeah well there's not nearly as many rookies um in starting uh, lineups this year that's why burks is looking like yeah, he, he might be right because pitchers don't typically win it yeah. unless you're bruce ruffin yeah. paul o'neill mike greenwell are the other ones that mike are kind greenwell. of in the middle of the lineup but um yeah i guess we can we'll figure that out as we go down the list um okay let's move on to number 13 uh seattle this is a team that was basically a playoff contender in 85 with 70 with 89 wins and then last year they dropped to 79 wins. Very interesting profile on this team. They were second best offense for the second year in a row, but they were the third worst pitching team. 
Um, so Glenn, is that pretty much how the ratings shake out going into 87? Uh, yeah. And then moreover, their defense is also, I mean, again, no one is remotely as like, even in the same league as bad as Toronto, but other than Toronto, he has the worst defense. So again, that's going to, Oh, that's not true. Atlanta I have actually is the second worst defense and then Seattle is third worst. So yeah, so his defense isn't very good. And believe it or not, I don't have his starters as very good. So they're, they're not. Uh, okay, yeah, that, that explains it. However, it looks like his bullpen is good. You got it in front of you. It looks like he has some good relievers, but mm-hmm. but his starters don't look good. His contact is amazing. And yeah, and I look back at your um so Tim to provide some context. It, it looks like he made the playoffs in 83, but then since then I have him in the bottom one, two, three, four. He's in the bottom four in ratings, 84, 85. Then he was around, I think, ninth or 10th in 86. And then now he's, you know, again, fourth, third from uh, fourth from bottom. So his team hasn't been, it doesn't really seem like it's been good for a long time, or at least for several seasons anyway. Yeah, very yeah, much I mean, roller roller coaster team. They did playoffs in 83, then they lost 95 games, and then they won 89 games. And then last year they're about 500. So they're kind of like zigzagging up and down year to year. Yeah, and the, and the pitching by rating is not terrible. Just a couple of them are unproven and young. So they may not be bad. They, they just weren't ready last year, and they're still a little bit unproven. I think the biggest change, though, is he lost Parrish, and uh, Butch Weinegar is no longer – I'm not even sure he's a viable starter anymore, which, you know, I drafted him, and he was awesome for me. But at this point, he's five contact – three power his defense is still good but you know he's not perished by any stretch so all right i i actually think if if the seattle offense could carry him it's going to come down to can doug drayback get up to the majors and make an impact and if he can i maybe seattle captures the magic from a couple years ago and actually makes a run for the playoff spot like i i don't see them you know losing 90 games or something like that. But I think that's 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 the only thing that I could see pushing them over the edge is Drebeck comes in and has like one of those Mike Witt years from a few years ago where he's, you know, wins 15 games and just is great from the beginning. I mean, he plays in one of the most offensive parks too. So if you have horrible defense, questionable starters, and you're playing in a super offensive park, I mean – I mean, he's going to score and he has a good bullpen. So you're right. Maybe, you know, 90 losses isn't realistic, but I mean, 85, that's certainly on the cards. What do you have his record from last year? I mean, am I looking at yeah, record he was, from last uh, year? 79 and 83. So he was just under. Five yeah. Years. Yeah. So I would say he's a little bit worse just, and, and again, not necessarily because his team got worse, but everyone else got better. Oh, his team did get worse. Like you said, take away Parrish. I mean, that's the yeah, best. Yeah or second best hitting catcher in the league. So, well, I think another huge factor is 85, that, that massive uh, John Shelby uh, MVP season with 367, 52 yep. homers, yep. 134 triple mm-hmm. crown year with a 10.1 war. Last year, his war went down to five point. He was still, he's still 36 homers, 112 RBIs, but his war was cut almost in half to 5.5. So, um, you know, it was a, a relative slump for him, but he, if, Shelby returns to his 85 form that could, you know, give him a big boost. All right. The next team on our list is Denver. Take a minute here to talk about the Ozzie Smith trade since we have Charlie. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously that was a huge, 
huge offseason move for Denver because basically I was undoing the, I don't know, taking Maddox ahead of Larkin in retrospect looks like a huge mistake. I mean, it's still early, early days, right. With, with Maddox, but Maddox has had a couple injuries, a couple of setbacks. Larkin is already like emerging as a top three or top five shortstop. So part of me going after Ozzie Smith was I haven't had a solid shortstop since Rick Burleson. Uh, and uh, so that was a big priority for me was, was getting Ozzie Smith. So uh Charlie what was on your side what was the what a couple seasons back you were like I'm never going to trade this guy I'm going to hold on to Ozzy forever what what changed your 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 uh your approach I think that? I think the opportunity of getting that number 2 pick just really like the idea at first was I'm just going to take I'm going to take the best two starters like that was just I don't know why that was really exciting to me like are the the best two guys that I like and I'm just going to start building, uh, you know, my five aces dream, you know, so and Ozzy's getting up there in age and I, it's just it's embarrassing having him out there when I got he's got no help. <laughs> you know, it's just like I feel bad for the guys. The stars kind of aligned a little bit and it's like, all right, it's time to move on. It's time to move yeah. forward. And I, I got I, I got to have the five. I've got to have the best rotation. So just I, for just just for context here for for everyone else when that when we started that negotiation it was going to be Tony Fernandez uh, yeah. as a key guy and then I was like well I can't really Tony Fernandez is my my franchise and when when I looked at those two players both both Avi Smith and Tony Fernandez were rated as the best players on their respective teams and I was like I can't really this isn't going to solve I'm just putting my star guy from one side of the infield to the other, and I'm just going to create another hole on the other side. So that's when I think that's when the number two pick came into play. He's like, well, what, what yeah. if I kept if I kept Tony? What would what would you want? And then and then uh, that yeah. What 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 would you have done with that number two pick? I don't know. I, probably, I liked McGrain a lot. Probably would well, I would have taken McGrain. I would have yeah. taken McGrain number one. Yeah, I might. If if yeah. I only had one pick, it would have been McGrain. I just picked yeah. Glavin because. I think Sean pointed out to me that McGrain is greedy. So it's like, it might save me a few bucks down the road if I'm negotiating yeah. with him. So that's the only reason he was number two. Okay. So let's move on to the actual um, assessment of Denver, which is Glenn has ranked at number 12. So I believe on last year's ratings ranking, you had them 15th, right? So they've gone up three spots. Is that accurate? Uh, that's right. Yep. And okay. I had you dead last in the year before. So you yeah. went from uh, 16 to 15 to 12. So okay. clear where, progress. Yeah. Where was the biggest increase? The thing is you, you've basically created, this is kind of interesting. You have like one of the most offensive parks, but you've created a, like basically an entirely pitching and defense team. Um, no surprise, I guess. Right. You traded for Ozzie Smith. So you traded for Ozzie Smith. You got Tony Pena. Um, who's your, Tony Fernandez at second base is a very good defensive second baseman. And of course, yeah, Javier Stan said. Javier is just a pure, he's just like a giant glove, you know, no stick, but just a giant glove. So, so yeah, so you have the best up the middle defense and your starters because Swift, I mean, Swift has arrived. He is fully cooked. He's awesome. And you have Freisleben who, you know, I mean, he's, he may not be the whatever 
you know, Cy Young guy from how many, two or three or four years ago, but, but he's still a very solid starter. And then everybody else is like in that four, eight, eight mold, you know, four, eight, eight ish. Right. Which when you're backed by a superb spine, like, no, that's really good. And, and you have an excellent closer. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting, but, but, but like all the guys, they're kind of like Ozzie Smith types where, you know, that they're awesome in the field, but they don't really, um, their stick really isn't that good. And even your guys who hit well, like Fernandez or Vince Coleman, they're like eight contact, but like one or two power. Right. So for that reason, your lineup doesn't score very high by my metrics. You don't have the worst, but you have the second worst. That's like 10 points better than Cleveland. So there's still quite a bit of difference. 10 points across eight, you know, eight lineup places is that's a real difference, but, but you are uh, whatever 15th by, by lineup. So let me ask you this. When you do the, when you do the ratings count, are you just looking at the right-handed lineup or are you looking? Uh, you yeah, look I both? did because, yeah. because you have like a lot of platoon stuff going on. Yeah. And like, I can't really account for all that across all the teams. So I yeah, just yeah. took that. Yeah. So at one point uh, my lineup, I had, um, I think I had four or five platoons going. I only had like three play. I think I only had three everyday players. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. obviously Ozzie, Ozzie Smith was one. Um, yeah. But Fernandez. Like, I, I, I think I added more players. I, I was definitely was more active this off season. Um, in, in addition to Ozzie Smith, I got Willie Akins at first base. Um, yeah. I got Dave Parker to play in right. Um, both of those guys are lefty mashers that are going to hit either side of Mitchell versus righties. And then versus lefties, I've got Jose Canseco, um, and I've still got uh, Nick Asaski, who's he's really solid against lefty. His overall stats aren't that good, but he's good against lefty. So my I'm kind of baking on this whole platoon strategy of like um, yep. it's it's similar to Glenn to clean teams you've had in the past where you had two completely different lineups. You had your offensive <laughs> yep. lineup, and then and then like. Yep. like a whole bench full of defensive subs. Yep. I'm kind of doing yep. the same thing lefty righty and we'll we'll see if that we'll see how that pans out, but I do feel like my pitching with Freisleben and um Welsh should develop a little more this year and O'Hara I'm hoping pitches more to his ratings and I really like my bullpen. I was super ecstatic to get Dwayne Buse uh with the yeah. whatever pick that was uh 21st pick. That was my first pick of the rock. Back to Charlie's question. Charlie, you asked who I would take at number two. I honestly mm. have no idea because I did not do any scouting until the first 20 <laughs> picks were done. So that's the short answer. I have Denver finishing anywhere from second to fourth in the division. Yeah. And it's right. Like Seattle, San Fran, and Denver to me all seem like they've got pieces that are really well built and, you know, Denver definitely heading in the right direction. I don't know if they're going to be ready this year yet to to come in second. But I think they'll battle for it. I think that, for me, the most interesting things or the things to watch this year in Denver are, one, what happens with Kevin Mitchell and his development. He's 25 years old, and his current power is three with a potential of nine. Like, Is he going to get anywhere near that, or is he going to be like the Oral Hershiser of hitting? like he's a big one to watch. Maddox is the other one because he's almost fully cooked, but he's taking some downgrades. So like, does he come to the major sometime this year? And then is he the Maddox we were expecting when he was drafted or does he turn into like a solid number two, but never eclipses Billy Swift, right? And then Sid Fernandez and how he develops. But I think those three 
are who I'm going to be watching this year. I think otherwise it's, you know, as you guys said, a pretty well-built rotation, very good bullpen. Billy Swift looks like the real deal. Great defense. I don't know. The offense could be good just because it's in Denver. And then there are a couple of guys in the, in the lineup that can hit. It's a pretty low yeah. bar in Denver. This is a team that's lost at 90, has had four straight 90 lost seasons. So if I, you know, if I lose 85 this year, it'll be my best season in like five Dang. years. Well, I mean, what were you doing? What's your plan? Were you planning to win now or are you building for the next couple of years or what's, what's going on? No, there's no way they're going to win now. But, you know, my, my hope was, so I improved by three games last year from 61 wins to 64. I was really hoping that I'd be like 70 wins last year and like 80 wins this year. And then like contending in 88. And now I think because of, um, last year and all my, you know, I was all in on potential a couple of years back and really was focusing on getting lots of 86 picks and, um, you know, then Maddox turned into a bust and uh, well, he's not, a, I wouldn't say Maddox is a complete bust. He's still, if he, if he goes to his potential, he'll still be like a top 10, uh, a top 10 starter. But like when I drafted him, he was going to be the best starter in like in history, right? He yeah, was like right. off the charts. So I think everything's set back a bit. I think seven I'm looking in the mid seventies, maybe 75 wins this year, and then maybe 85 next year, just on the fringe of contending. But I think I'm still a few years out for being like a serious um uh, a serious threat, unless I make some more, you know, big moves. And also part of part of the strategy of of the all the potential and like that was literally my goal a few years back was I just wanted to get to number one on that, on the minor league systems. That was literally my goal was like, all right, <laughs> let's keep, let's keep acquiring potential until I'm number one. And then once I got there, it's like, okay, now let's start spending some of this capital. And Ozzy Smith was obviously, um, you know, a, a main target there. I still have some, some, so I think I had a decent draft. I got Luis Polonia, um, who is already, I think he's a nine potential left fielder for contact. So, um, and he was like a third round pick. So, um, uh, but yeah, I, I, there's no way I don't, there's no way I'm going to compete for a, a playoff spot this year and maybe next year if, if all the pieces come together. And I think Pete's right. Mitchell is a key thing, a key part. And so is um, uh, Maddox and also uh, Sid Fernandez. He's, he's got to develop a bit more as well. Well, I think you got you could trade some of these catchers. You seem to be stockpiling these yeah. <laughs> these defensive catchers. I feel like you could get something. Somebody could use one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Someone on this call could use one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Toronto. Toronto's got. Uh, oh my god. Well, Where Toronto's got an eight. Toronto's got an eight at catcher. If you if you add the, his two catchers together, so right. <laughs> just put both of them behind uh, the plate. Oh my god! Yeah. All right, let's move on. Number eleven on our list is Havana. Havana last year was um, seventy-two and ninety, so slightly improved from the year before. Twelfth um, overall in the league. They were 12th in runs scored, 12th in runs against. So they're pretty much just hanging out there in kind of like the, you know, the three quarter point of the, of the, of the league. Um, so Glenn, you have them 11. Where do you see them improving this year? Well, yeah, actually that's interesting that you mentioned that because um, last year, or he's added. So last year he was one, two, three. Um, 
he was 14 out of 16 teams last year by rating. Now he's 11, so he's moved up three spots. And he's added almost 20 rating points. So, so again, think about, you know, he's adding guys or, or guys are developing, you know, what's a good example? Again, I guess Cal Daniels, well, right? Cal Daniels, Cal, yeah. Lance, Lance Parrish, Parrish. Is a huge Yes, addition. there you go. Yep, and yep. And, Shane Mack. And Shane yeah, Mack yeah, batting shift as a rookie. Yep. yep, yep, exactly. So, and even Mack, he's not – he has massive potential, but he hasn't, you know, he's not there yet. But again, I mean, like if he was in Brooklyn's lineup, he'd be their cleanup hitter. Right. So, you know, whatever. Anyway. So, yeah. So, so again, so he's added 20 points, he's added 20 rating points. And so that's moved him up the the stack. His problem. I mean, from my point of view, his problem is that he's in the toughest division by far. So, so it's going to be hard for him to climb over all the teams in his own division. And then he's got all those inner division games at the end. That's going to also, you know, present a challenge, but um, he has an excellent closer, right? Smith is an excellent closer, but the thing is his starters actually aren't great. Right. I mean, Langston is solid. Lacoste is solid, but by my kind of metrics, a lot of teams have like a 21 or a 22 or even more rated starter. His guys are like 20 and 19 and they go down from there. So I don't actually have his starters very highly rated at all, but again, his bullpen is good. His lineup is decent. And and interestingly, his defense is not as good as Lance teams of the past. So, you know, that's a, that's another sort of deficiency relative to like, say, you know, his Chicago teams at their peak. So check this out. His rotation, Mark, Mike, Mark, Kirk, and Mark. <laughs> Brilliant. That's the kind of insights we provide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is going to be the best team to finish last in their division. The, this division is just too strong, but I mean, Lance is doing a great job building. Uh, I mean, this is still an expansion team just from a couple of years ago. Right. And uh, the pitching is solid. You know, it's, as Glenn said, and the the hitting, I mean, Daniels, Parrish, Mac, that's better than my three, four, five hitters, right? So I think that's better than a lot of people's three, four, five hitters. So I mean, the, the, the lineup may not be great up and down, but it's very, very good in the middle. And then the defenses, I don't remember if Glenn, you said below average, but I, I had them at about average. Like nothing spectacular, but there's no big holes in the defense. Yeah, I'm a, I, he's going to have to get some pitching somewhere. That's the thing that's missing from the Lance team is he's usually got at least one or two just lights out starters. So uh, I, I'm I'm a little disappointed in this team in that one of the advantages of being a, a new team is that you can suck for a little while and collect young guys. And, you know, I think he, he had a shot. He could have had Clemens. Right, you got a rocket in your pocket. You, what you, you know, what do you? Uh, yeah, I don't know why he let that one get away, but uh, he's 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 gonna have to get some pitching. I don't know where it's gonna come from. Do you think Shane Mack's pick at number four was a mistake? Should he have gone for say Jack McDowell, who was the next pitcher taken, or even lighter at that? At I, I think so. I think he should have. I think he should have used it for pitching. Definitely. I mean, it's, yeah, no one's a guarantee. And yeah, Shane Mack looks awesome, obviously, but corner outfielders, a little easier to come by than starters. And he already has, 
he's putting Mac in center and he already yeah. has uh he has Dave Collins who's a seven already so yeah. he he basically basically has the same stats as as Shane Mack so um the current stats anyway Mack of course has that nine contact potential so I guess he couldn't resist the nine contact yeah, six yeah. home run power and a seven in center field so it wasn't I don't think it was I'm not saying it's a bad pick but he like you're saying he could have uh, probably got a, a top tier starter at number four well yeah. it, it, it pushed Warren Cromartie to the bench pretty much right so yeah, yeah I think Shane Mack has great upside but the team wasn't that bad in the outfield already. So I don't know, maybe a starter would have helped them more long-term. Yeah. And it's going to be, that's, that was one of the reasons I knew drafting all those starters was a good reason because right out of the gate, everyone's going, I need pitching. I need pitching, (laughs) me pitching, you know, like the first, the first text out of there. So it's like, all right, got to build with pitching. So no one's going to be trading it unless it's old guys. So maybe that's yeah, his pitching. plan, you know, go after, go after some old guys, trade some draft picks and just add a couple of the, those stud guys. He could, trade, know, for, hard he, he could trade for Durker. <laughs> or bring Ernie McAnally out of retirement. Oh my God. Dang. <laughs> All right. Should we I move would on? Just say, oh yeah, oh, we yeah, can. But I, I would yeah. just say in defense of the Shane Mack, I mean, if he gets there, of course, right? That, that's always the, the caveat. If he gets there, there, there's only two center fielders in the league. An eight range makes a viable center fielder in my mind. So, so if he gets there, there's only two center fielders in the entire league that add up to more than 21, and that's Davis and Shelby. So, so yeah. he's in the very high rent district. So I, I don't actually have any problem with the pick. Yeah, he needs pitching, but if you can get like a top, Top shelf center fielder. I mean, you know, that's a good. Thing. Yeah, I'm doing that all day. So, yeah, and he does have eight range, and he's a nine and left. So there's a chance that seven rating in center moves up to eight, and then yeah, let's move on. Next is a number ten team in San Francisco. This is a team that actually made the playoffs a year ago. Kind of like the they were the kind of the stunning playoff team last year, eighty five and seventy seven. Uh, and that I think they ended a long run of yeah he had four straight uh, losing seasons uh, four straight seasons finishing eleventh twelfth thirteen fourteen basically kind of just mired in in the bottom of the league there um, actually the only thing keeping him out of the cellar in the Pacific was was Denver the last couple of seasons but um, but last year made a huge leap improved by twenty two games second. Uh, second in the division, sixth overall, second best pitching team, thirteenth um, in offense, which doesn't sound like much, but he improved quite a bit. He uh, jumped three spots and scored three point eight runs per game, which was a point four runs per game improvement from the year before. So, Glenn, uh, why is San Francisco a playoff team from a year ago only ranked tenth uh, in your ratings? Well, I mean, what's good about the ratings is they don't care about where you finished last year, right? They just say like, okay, where are you? And, you know, relative to the other teams. And so, so it seems like, like every year there's like one team that surprises or one team rises up from like, you know, that, yeah, one team that surprises, I think that's safe to say. So, so San Francisco, I mean, it was surprising to me that he made the playoffs, but it wasn't surprising to me that he improved because I think we talked about this last year. He, 
you know, he made so many changes. You know, he added Renee Gonzalez. He called up a Kendo, right? I mean, so like those two changes alone, like transformed his infield. And then this year he's transformed his infield again. So now he puts Gonzalez to the bench and he adds Barry Larkin. You know, he sits down Aguayo, or actually he traded me Aguayo, traded me Aguayo and puts in Tim Hewlett. I actually wanted Hewlett, but he refused to trade me. So Aguayo was like the fallback trade. So Hewlett is a 10 defense, you know, third baseman, but who can also hit a little bit. So, um, so moral of the story is I think he's going to be better again than he was last year. And if you look at it ratings wise, he's 14, yeah, 14 points better from last year. So, so he clearly has improved. Um, again, whether that's enough to make the playoffs, I mean, by my calculus, the answer is no, but I mean, as I say, he has improved and just because he added Larkin, right. I think Hills should be competitive, but I mean, I don't have him threatening LA. Let's put it that way. I have San Fran as like my new Brooklyn and that for years when we do this show, I think Brooklyn is going to be terrible. And then they win 88 games or 90 games or whatever. And they make a run at the playoffs. Sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. That's how like San Fran is to me, right? Like DeLeon and and Rio are obviously good. The rest of the rotation doesn't look good to me. Like Honeycutt, Hamaker and Hudson. I, I don't think they're good, but they were okay last year. And then John Franco was actually number three in war on the pitching side for them, which again, unless, you know, like a 24 rated reliever, that's, that's rare to be and get like 2.7 or 2.6, some ridiculous number for a closer, right? And the lineup is the same thing. It's like there's plenty of guys in there that are very much in that Brooklyn mode of they only do one thing, whether it's defense, stealing, or get on base, but somehow it works. And then in the middle, you've got Larkin and Strawberry. So I guess if they do get on base, you've got cleanup, right? And then Steinbeck should improve in there you know, throughout the year and he'll, he's pretty solid, but I, I don't know, like on paper, they don't look great to me, but going into last year, they were a team I wasn't even counting on. Right. I thought Seattle would be nipping at my heels and I figured Denver and San Fran were rebuilding. And then somehow out of nowhere, you know, he almost beat me in the division and then he made waves in the playoffs. So I think they're probably going to be like the new Brooklyn, like not good on paper, but good in real fake life. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're. Uh, I think their pitching and defense is enough to keep them in most games, especially the the bullpen. And I, I like their one through four. It's just a dangerous combination of hitting and speed. And then if you can get Davis and Deer to hit those guys in, it's like I don't know. I don't see. I see them just being in a lot of games. They're just really balanced. Um, the yeah, the one downside I see is the rotation. There's just not a lot of help. You can't. Can't expect Honeycutt to do what he did last year. And then the minors, he's got like Boddicker or Filer guys who aren't just aren't going to be able to much help if somebody goes down or if somebody just, you know, chunks it. So, <clears throat> but I think, I think they make a run at the playoffs again. It's going to be tight, but I look for this team to just stay in a lot of games and win a lot of games. I think their offense should continue to improve. I, they, we haven't talked about their top, their one, two hitters. Akendo and Butler, um, those guys are both, uh, they should both be in the 350 to 360 on base range. So like Charlie's saying, he's going to be setting the plate for Larkin, Strawberry, 
Davis, you know, Davis stats, his ratings don't look that good. Um, and actually, yeah, he's kind of a one trick pony cause he he's on base was 282, but he's managed to drive in 118 runs. So, um, that's, that's maybe some a position he might want to upgrade at some point because Davis, if he's not hitting a home run, he's not really, uh, contributing much. Well, that was the, that was the beauty of his, um, his draft. Cause I think what he took Henneman with the first pick, which seemed kind of early, but he's a master of like getting the guy he needs at the time, you know, and the same, I think he got like a guy, Sam Horn, this guy, you know, who could be, you know, pretty awesome first base who could be a power guy at first who gets on base. So, you know, maybe he's looking ahead at replacing Davis with that, with Sam Horn. All right, let's move on. Number nine on our list is Boston. This is a team that has historically last recent seasons um, has been towards the bottom of the league, but last year they improved by 16 games, 72 wins is their first winning season in four years. Um, their pitching improved quite a bit from 16th to 13th, but their offense uh, dropped five spots from ninth to 14th. This is a team that has one of the top, Farm systems. I have them third. I have them third, and I have them the youngest lineup. So third, third best farm, and the absolute youngest lineup. Third best farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edgar Martinez is his top. That was Edgar Martinez was what the fifth pick or sixth pick, something like that. Um, and he's the third, uh, the number third prospect in the league. But then he got Caminiti, so he has his top two prospects are both third basemen, um, which is interesting, and. And neither of them can play another position. So they're both pure, only third, third bases. And maybe that was a situation of drafting the best player available and then keeping one and, and, and dealing the other. But but Glenn, uh, t- tell us about Boston's rankings. You said he improved a lot. And, and so, again, if you look at it by ratings, he, he has improved a lot. So last year I had him 3, 12, 13. So he's added 17, 17 rating points. So... So, yeah, he continues to improve. And one of the ways he improves, I think, uh, how many ever years we've done this um, since Ryan's been in the league, I think I've said, you know, Boston's up the middle defense is atrocious or the worst in the league. Well, then he, he traded for Cal Ripken, but he was injured like the entire season. So this is really the first full year. So now he has, a, you know, legitimately maybe the best defensive shortstop or certainly an elite defensive shortstop, let's put it that way. So, so now he has an elite defensive shortstop. And he's playing Uncle Milty, Milt Thompson in center, who's an eight-range center fielder that gets you to a seven. So that's not elite center field defense, but um, you know it, it's serviceable. So, so I feel like he's taking steps to improve his squad. But the, the thing that's mostly improving his squad is that all of his young guys are maturing. So, so Bonds you know, whatever he was drafted nine, 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 but you know, he might've been like six, six, six when he was drafted, but you know, or, you know, current, but now he like adds to 23 or 24 or something ridiculous like that. And then Kirby Puckett, right. I think he was injured all last year and now he's essentially fully cooked. So, so he's just like all those picks from all those years of sucking are suddenly now, no, that's, I think I talked about this earlier, right. It's like, all those guys that were drafted with huge talent are now starting to hit the league and that, and you're just seeing this like massive ratings inflation and Boston is a, is a great example of that. And Oh, by the way, (laughs) 
Oh, by the way, that that lineup is backing Clemens and Beard, right? So, you know, that could be like 350 of your 1,400 innings, right, are going to be rated 22 or higher. So, so I don't think he's going to, you know, win the division. I'm not, you know, making that kind of a call, but – but I mean, I have him exactly in the middle of the stack, right? You know? Yeah, I mean, I I don't I still don't have him beating Manhattan. Uh, I don't know. This team is a little bit perplexing to me. Um, three years ago or two years ago, I was, I think they were starting to look really scary because of the the talent they were amassing. I'm not as clear what happened in the last season in terms of, you know, moving Chili Davis. I think for cash, right? So now you've got Milt Thompson in there, who's good but I don't think Chile was any worse, maybe even higher upside. And then moving Conseco for a third baseman just to draft two third basemen. And Howell is mid-20s also, so it's not like he's an old third baseman holding the spot for Martinez or Caminiti. So that, that's the only thing that's troubled me a little bit is he had a lot of assets to trade to fill holes. And I feel like you know with Cash and Howell, he didn't fill holes. He just got talent or whatever, ask more, you know, different assets, right? I think, you know, those, those were opportunities to go get a better shortstop or a better second baseman or a third starter or just more picks to keep, keep this train going. So I'm going to be curious to see if what he's got now is enough because, uh, you know, the big things coming up are Edgar Martinez will take over for Howell at some point. And then um, Galarraga is still out there. So Galarago at some point will come up, um, you know, and replace Franklin Stubbs. But other than that, like, this is it. Like, the farm system we've been dreading for a while is now here, developed and going to be playing this year. I think the big yeah. fact, the big factor with Boston is their um, their financial situation. Their attendance was under 800,000, which is incredibly – that was 34% of the league average. Um, they were averaging – 9,700 a game at uh, so major. I, th- I think that's that was the reason he's going after cash was just to kind of stem the send the bleeding there. And that I don't know what's going on, why their attendance is so low, but um, but uh, and you know, maybe he still has assets. Maybe, maybe the thinking is just draft uh, with Caminiti and Edgar, it's just like just get the best players available and then um. And then use it as as trade trade capital. He he also amassed a bunch of he. I mean, I think the reason he traded Canseco and Chili Davis <laughs> is that he had too many. He had like six star level outfielders, and he needed to get to, to call that down. Yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna have to trade those guys for expensive guys if you want pitching. You're not gonna get. It's gonna be tough to get a young pitcher with potential. You know, so. My issue was with Boston was they they could be what they could be is is what I'm sort of basing my team on. <laughs> uh, like eighty five, they I think they had a shot at Swift and humans at, in that first round. And can you imagine that rotation right now with Clemens Beard, Swift, humans? Like that would be unstoppable. And like you said, if you just get some defense up the middle. I think they're a contender today, you know, so I think they, it's going to be, they're going to be hard pressed to get rid of those, you know, excess pieces, especially if you're going to try and find pitching, but uh, yeah, bonds, bonds was a great pick though. I can't, 
<laughs> Can't fault exactly. All right. Although, all right, although I yeah. do, I do think Larkin would have been a better fit for what he's trying to do, or what I think he should be trying to do. <laughs> no, I don't know what he's trying to do. So that's I can't speak for anyone else. Tim Tuffle is a, a surprisingly good seven seven six six, and uh, mm-hmm. I think he's got a lot of upside. Uh, he's only a five at second base, but he can play first yeah. and third also. So uh, that that's one where he could, um, uh, you know, get a good defensive second baseman, move him over to first because um, I think Stubbs is uh, Stubbs was kind of a fly. He was hot for a little bit last year, but he's a five five eight five. Oh. He's not gonna stay around as a starter for long oh my bonds is going to be a nightmare isn't he yeah that's that's what i mean like you can't you had to take i think if yeah Yeah. if you if he's i would have definitely but um you stack up whatever 37 years of drafts he might still be the first overall pick (laughs) you know it's like so you can't really like dang yeah no for sure probably him or good and Go number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Number eight on the list. Glenn, I think you had these two teams close together, Boston and Montreal. You have Montreal yep. at number eight. Yep. Um, let's see where Montreal was last year. They were 80, 84 and 78. Um, they finished seventh in the league, just out of the playoffs. Um, they've been on a slow improvement the last couple of years. They were fourth in in offense, which is uh, best since uh, 83, and then they were 10th uh, in pitching. So tell us about the Montreal Voyagers. So, dude, so Montreal, yeah, last year I had them also 8th. We're up to 8th, is that right? Yeah, yes, yeah, so eight. I had them also 8th. Yeah, I had them also 8th last year, and you're saying he just missed the playoffs last year while well, he's on the exact same fringe this year. And, again, the problem is is that he's in the same division as Manhattan and Eric is, you know, he's a professional and he's not going to give up that spot very easy. So then he's going to have to qualify through, he's going to have to qualify through the wild card, which is not out of the realm of possibility. But again, at eight, I'm just suggesting that there's, you know, two, two or three other teams like in wild card position ahead of them, but, but certainly he's in with a shout. Um, what I, like about his team i mean so again he's another one of these guys where he's uh we just talked about boston who was the youngest team montreal is the second youngest team so he's he's playing now bip roberts he's um playing bonilla these guys are huge talent but they're not they haven't fully matured yet so so over the course of the season the thing about his team is they're they're gonna get better charlie just mentioned floyd gilman's or whatever he's gonna get better right so so Montreal, even where I have them now, like eighth by ratings, by the end of the season, it could be, you know, five or six, you know, six anyway, right? So, so his team's going to get better. He has a ton of cap space to spend if he wants to. His defense is solid. I mean, it's kind of what we always say. Everything about the team is like solid, but not spectacular. His starters are solid, but his bullpen's pretty good, but it's not great. You know, his lineup is pretty good. His defense is pretty good. So, Austin Mocker. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. So he's got <laughs> solid guys, but they're not like blowing you away again just yet. But I think with some more development, that he could blow you away. So, so he's, he's competitive, but like I said, I, I just I put him just on the fringe of the playoff picture and not in it. You know. So I still had him, him and Brooklyn and Boston were in a virtual three-way tie, right? Like Eric will win the division. 
with probably close to 100 wins, somewhere around there. And then these three teams, I think any of them could win 88 to 90, and any of them could you know, only win 80 or 75. Um, but this is the very, very typical Montreal team. You know, as Glenn said, everything is super balanced. Guys do what they're supposed to do with that position. Uh, I think the most interesting guy is humans. Um, you know, he's his got, uh, what's his rating? 985. So that's not that typical for Montreal. I think they're usually in the, the camp of movement and control, which is, I think, what most of the teams are trying to play. So I'll be interested to see how sort of a pure power pitcher does in this league. But other than that, I mean, I, I, it's the, the normal Montreal team. It's well-built and everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing. For the record, 985 was uh, Don Wilson, you know, fully cooked. And again, that was a different era, right? So when 22 was incredible. But um, but yeah, 985 was a, is a Hall of Fame starter. All right, let's move on to number seven on our list, the Washington Monuments. This team was a bit of a disappointment last year after finishing – Second overall in 85, they dropped 15 games to just 80 and 82. Um, uh, eighth place, they were kind of out of the playoff mix. Um, their pitching dropped from fourth to eighth, and their hitting was about mid- middle of the table. So, Glenn, tell us about Washington. Well, so, okay, we talked, or one of the things we mentioned is, or to think about is like what changed year to year. So, last year he was fifth by ratings. But he started slow, and then he made this like, I don't know, whatever, crazy. He he made this decision to like to gut the team. He traded two fifths of his starting rotation and Phelps, who's a twenty three rated first baseman, and I don't know what else he got back. But essentially, he traded all that for Crock, right? So, so, so therefore, he's gone down from fifth. You know, so he didn't make the playoffs last year, and he's gone down from fifth in ratings last year to seventh this year. Having said that, though, he does now have Crock in his lineup and. Um, his pitching doesn't score very high, but that's because he has two starters out injured. So, so at some point, his starters are going to get better. Kruk is going to continue to develop, and, and which is a bit odd to me to find that. By my count, I mean objectively, he has the best defense in the league. So, um, so I think that's going to help as well. And he plays in a pitcher's park. So, long story short, I, you know, I have him being very competitive again. Not as good as St. Louis or Atlanta in his division. But um, but absolutely positively in the wild card mix. Yeah, that's exactly where I had him. Number three after St. Louis and Atlanta. Um, the pitching is, you know, I mean Saberhagen is amazing, but then the rest is okay, and then the lineup is is good, and so is the defense, right? And it really helps that he's got Vince, like Boggs, Gedman, who are probably all three of them are top three in their at their position. So it's up and down, good lineup. Uh, but I think the pitching may be too weak to get past Atlanta or or St. Louis. And there's nothing in the minors. Melito Perez is a few years away, and there really isn't anything coming this year. So unless, unless it's coming via trade, like this is a team that's going to be running all year. Charlie? Uh, I concur with all of that. <laughs> uh, no, I like this team a lot. And uh, it's... It's shocking to me. He seemed to have gotten better last year after gutting his team. So I, I, I can't figure out what he's doing right. But I, yeah, I like the defense definitely, and yeah, Crook should be a monster in that lineup. The addition was Ellis Valentine in 
right field, does he compensate for uh, the loss of Phelps? I like. Oh, I boy. think his yeah his defense alone and and doesn't he's not going to strike out as much. Yeah, Crock Crock compensates for the loss of Phelps. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So I had an oddball pick here for my uh, my worst cleanup hitter. I was going to go with Rance Mullenix of Cleveland, but I'm actually going to pick Jesse Barfield, which seems weird because he's an eight at home run power. But if you look at his stats the last few years, he's he hits about 250. Last year, his on base was 330. Uh, his OPS 779. So a 779 OPS for a cleanup hitter isn't that great. Um, and he's led the league in strikeouts three years in a row: 169, 157, 157. So he's just a K dog. Um, so it's it's he's probably the best worst cleanup hitter I've ever named, but I'm going to go with Jesse Barfield as the worst uh, cleanup hitter in the league this year. Lifetime OPS is 729. So yeah, it's not much better than last year, but he's a defensive stud. All right, let's move on. Number six on the list is Chicago. So we're into the playoff zone now with the top, the, uh, the top 16 Chicago actually was in the playoffs a couple years back, right? When they, oh, yes, yeah, they yeah. were 91 wins. They, so they made a huge jump from 62 to 90. They improved by 29 games uh, in Steve's second year as GM. Made the playoffs in 85. Last year, they regressed a bit, 13 by 13 games back to 78. They finished 11th overall. Um, their pitching was a little worse, dropped from 5th to 7th, and their offense is still in the lower half. Uh, so, Glenn, tell us about the uh, Chicago Colts. Uh, yeah, so that question about what's changed or what's the same is, um, as you say, they're basically fifth in ratings, like, you know, fourth or whatever it is. You know, they're sixth now, but they've basically been in the same rating position for four years in a row. Um, so they're, so their pitch, so their biggest weakness is their pitching. Their pitching is not very good at least their starters aren't very good they have one basically awesome starter and then after that it, it's uh it's not that good and they traded for soto who's at 18 or 19 red starter to bolster the staff which is good but you know he got great out he got outperformance tremendous outperformance from guys um in prior years like lamangelo as to 17 but he's a number two starter so a number two starter who has a 17 I mean, that's just a major red flag. So his starting pitching isn't that good. So then you're saying to yourself, well, how can this guy be like the six rated team? Well, his defense is, is good. Um, he has a uh, second best defense by my count and his lineup is good. And again, it's because he has up the middle. He just is so good up the middle, right? I mean, you have Robin Yao, Lloyd Mosby up the middle. Uh, he's called up Benny Santiago, who is not fully cooked yet. Oh wait, he is fully cooked. So, yeah, so I mean, so he's just solid. He's very good up the middle, and he's got good on base guys like you know Reigns at the top of the order, and Will Clark, who we drafted and immediately put into the lineup last year. So, um, long story short, he's going to uh, you know I I have him being competitive again, whether or not he can make the playoffs. It's it's kind of weird because like Detroit and Chicago, right? Like they're two teams contending for playoff spots. And then you have Toronto and Cleveland, who I have like maybe the two lowest rated teams, right? So it's like clear barbell, and maybe those other two guys will beat up on the bottom two, and that'll get Chicago in. But um, but I think it'll be close. So 
So I think everything you said is spot on. I think Terry Mulholland, Jamie Moyer are in the rotation, not fully cooked. So they develop and they pitch well. Maybe the rotation is better than what you have them rated in the for the opening day roster. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is if this is not the team that could win, do you try to move Robin Yount in an Ozzie Smith-style trade? And with his salary, can you? Right, But he's the one guy that's a little bit older than the rest of the team. He's 29 or 30 at this point. And you've got some good pitching talent in the minors, but they're two or three years away. So like, do you move Yount and get ready for two years from now if this team can't win? Other than that, the rest of it, it's a good team. Yeah, I like uh, I like the six, seven, and eight are probably the best, depending on if Lloyd Mosby can come back and be his old self. But just having his glove there alone is is worth it. And having him, the only thing this team is in is is has some big time development issues. You know their their farm system looks great, but you can as you see like everybody up and down the line has just has so far to go as far as development. So is he going to get any kind of help? Is he going to, are they going to even be useful as trade bait? So I, I don't, I, I don't know if this team has the pitching, you know, it's going to be tight, but I don't know if they have the pitching to get, get all the way. Are they in the win now mode because their farm system is so far off or I think so. I think so. And so maybe you use those pieces to trade for some pitching. Maybe, I don't, maybe that's the way. Because yeah, like you said, Moyer's just not there yet, and yeah, that's it's just not a good looking rotation right now. He does have John Martin in the minors, and he's a four seven seven, so um, he he might come up. Other than that, he doesn't have a lot of pitching depth. But that yeah. may, maybe Martin comes up to replace Mulholland or Moyer, and, and allow those guys to cook a little bit in in AAA. Yeah, yeah. He might have to bring a Martin, it looks like. I mean, especially because how much you're paying that guy. Okay, let's move on. Um, number five is Manhattan. Um, Manhattan is the champions, right? Didn't they win the World Series last yeah. year? Yeah. 162. They were second <clears throat> overall in the regular season. Um, their first title in seven years, um, but third straight uh, playoff year and also last year they were third in hitting and fourth in pitching it's the first time manhattan has been in the top four in both categories since 1969 so it was kind of a um a banner year for them and also only their second 100 win season so glenn given all that why are they number five like how are they where are they deficient let's say compared to the four teams that are above them uh, he has worse stat. Okay, so he has worse starters than every team above him. I believe that's true. Let's look at Detroit really fast. Uh, he has worse. He has the same starters as Detroit and worse than uh, Atlanta, St. Louis, and LA. Um, the thing that he has over us, and, and he's worse everywhere. Yeah. So, okay. So um, let's let's think about it this way. The the single advantage that he has is that he has like an entire rotation of four eight eight guys which basically take away dongs, take away walks, and he has the best spine defense, right? So uh, along with Denver. So along with Denver, he has the best spine defense. So so he's he's taken away hits, right? 
And then, and not only does he have the best spine defense, the fact that he has Rhino and Fletcher up the middle, plus, you know, I don't know how I let uh, that uh, my old center fielder get away, you know, but but the fact that he has a you know a nine defense center fielder, Mickey Rivers is his backup, right? He's like a ten, so he just has a phenomenal, you know, like that defensive triangle and, and not just defensively. Again, the fact that they can produce offensively is just a huge advantage. So even though in like absolute ratings terms, he's not the highest rated team, his rating sort of distribution is like really, really strong. And so I'd be shocked if he doesn't win this division again, even though, as you say, he's only fifth by the total count. And even though Chicago is like right behind him, I mean, I would take this guy over Chicago, you know, all day. Oh, and also, also, he, he is an absolute genius that he built the park and he built the team to perfectly suit the park. So he's ma- absolutely maximizing his, uh, you know, his, uh, his build. Yeah, I mean, th- this team is great. They're um, probably their Achilles heel is, is age and injury injuries, right? You've got a number of guys being relied on that are not young. You got Sal Bando playing third, who's still good, but he's 43, 44. I don't remember at this point. Mickey Rivers and Rich Coggins both are old and get hurt a lot. Tim Blackwell is in his 30s. Winfield is in his 30s. And a couple of the starters are in, his, in their 30s. So if you can get out, you know, stay out of major injury problems, yeah, I mean, he easily wins a division and maybe the World Series all over again. But that, that's the only way I could see Eric getting slowed down this year is just father time catching up with the team. Yeah, and spoiler alert, he already has major injury problems. Uh, Willie Wilson out for four months, Juan Samuel out for four weeks, Rich Coggins, as you mentioned, 35 years old, herniated disc out for eight weeks. So, uh, yeah, Coggins, so he's got Rivers is now like holding down the center field position and we all know Mickey Rivers uh injury history so if Mickey Rivers goes down then he's looking at Danny Gladden as a center fielder who's a 4 and a 6543 so that's we may see him making a deal for uh to get some maybe some center field help there but overall i think that's just nitpicking because that's you know that's like literally the only kind of obvious weakness on this team they're obviously going to run away with the atlantic and I think, you know, they're right up there making a run for the for the title again. Well, but the, you, you gotta, are you going to depend on uh, Tommy Boggs repeating what he did in the postseason? I mean, I don't think you can, but uh, I mean, he basically picked that team up and carried them across the finish line. So, I mean, I don't I see them obviously getting there, but can they finish like they did last year? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Number four, Atlanta. They finished second in the Gulf, fourth overall, made the playoffs for the first time in the Andy Cheney era and the first time in 12 seasons. They were first in offense, fifth in pitching. And Glenn, you have them rated fourth overall this year. Tell us about the Atlanta Hilltoppers. Oh, yeah, they're. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, Eric Davis keeps getting upgrades. He he might turn into he might turn into uh, the next C Rob, or he doesn't even need to. I mean, just even if he just stops now, 
he's a 24 rated, you know, eight range legitimate center fielder. I mean, to be a 24 rated center fielder is like that. I mean, you can't say he'd be the first pick, but I mean, you would have to think hard about making him the first pick, right? If you were going to do like an inaugural draft now, and then he has Gwen and then he has Phelps, a 23 rated first baseman, right? So, I mean, his team, his, his lineup is just incredible. It's not the highest rated lineup, but um, it's just about the highest rated lineup. Um, and he has amazing starters by virtue of that trade that he made with Washington that we re- referred to earlier. Actually, his starters aren't as good as they could be because Moose is old and he's kind of gotten worse. But, I mean, he does have Fernando and Goose at the top and he has a superb bullpen. So, I mean, I don't know. Again, I, I don't – he could beat me to the uh, – he, he could win the division ahead of me. But um, but either way, I, I have the guy in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, I mean, I have him in the playoffs just by virtue of his, his lineup. But yeah. the pitching is maybe a little bit overrated, right? Like, as you said, Moose is now 39, and he's actually an 18-rated 18, 18 pitcher. So yeah, he may yeah. pitch above that for a little bit longer, but that's going to catch up. And then Gossage is 34, 35, and he's still highly rated. But, like, he's putting a lot of eggs in the moose and goose basket, right? And then Fernando will be Fernando, so he's fine. Um, But the lineup alone will get him into the playoffs. It's just, is he going to have an early outing, uh, ousting out of the playoffs if the the pitching doesn't hold up? You know, does he end up losing a bunch of six to five games or six to three games or something like that because he just can't pitch? So I think it's he could be he could win a he can win the entire thing this year if the pitching holds up. But if either Goose or Moose goes down, then we'll see if offense alone can carry the team. Well, this is my, this is my pick to win it all this year. I think because uh, even he's got a little bit of depth. McLaughlin is a workhorse, and Simpson is solid number five. I think he's got enough to cover. Also, I think we're overlooking he's got. His farm system is is solid, but it's two guys, right? But it's also two guys he can't really use at this point. So maybe there's something there where he can leverage those guys to trade for, you know, a starter, an older starter, somebody to get him over the top. So I, I feel like he's got to make a move. You got to figure out what you're going to do with those guys because you've got Phelps, you've got Harper. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to replace those guys? I mean, I don't see it. So maybe there's something he can do with that. Does he but trade yeah, Mark? Think... Does he trade Mark McGuire to Boston for Roger Clemens? <laughs> uh, I hope not. I hope Boston doesn't do that. But it's possible. Hey, but it's not crazy, right? Does he trade Mark McGuire for a top five starter? I think and so. I mean, it might have to be year, an older guy. It. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like even if it's like a 28, 30, 32 year old, but win. And that's it. Like just put it in yep. the record books that Atlanta got their ring. Scott yep. Sanderson. Brooklyn. There you go. Yeah. Scott Sanderson. Except Brooklyn doesn't trade. Once in a while. You might for, for Big Mac. You never know. There you go. Uh, yeah. Trivia question What was Tony Gwynn's batting average last year? Anyone remember? 518. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> <I'm> stupid. <laughs> Uh, the correct answer is four forty-eight. I forgot about That's that. Just stupid. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, why is on base is only four seventy-six? I mean, come on, guy. Like only, only forty yeah. walks. So, yeah. So, but that's that's an interesting point, though. Like, 
is Atlanta just Seattle from a couple of years ago, right? When Shelby was so ridiculous that when he was just now really good, the team took a huge step backwards. Like if Tony Gwynn doesn't hit 446, he hits 378. Like <laughs> then is this team no longer the favorite? Or is that good enough? That's no, good. Enough. Like Harper, uh, if Harper regresses, Phelps doesn't look that good other than his home run in his eye, right? He's a, he overperformed a bit last year on average, 286. So um, it's possible that some of these guys all peaked at the same time last year. So it's a chance that he's not the top offensive team. And then, like we said, his pitching is probably right around league average. So, um, yeah, and, and and again, once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen, right? So, all right, let's move on to number three, Detroit. Detroit's one of those teams that has been in the playoffs year after year after year. Let's see, six straight playoff years. Last year was actually their worst year of that five-year run. They finished, they only had 90 wins, finished fifth overall. Their offense, that which was a top two offense for five years in a row, dropped all the way to seventh. Um, and, uh, they did trade for Whitaker. Does that give them a boost on their offense, Glenn? Like, are they going to bounce back? Well, they'll some finish somewhere between first and seventh in offense. I'm I'm assuming. Is that where you have them? Yeah. Yeah. I have the number two, actually have the number two lineup. I'm not sure. You know, actually, I don't know if I did that before with Hubbard and, uh, but, but I mean, it's credit Sean. Now he has Trammell Whitaker. He got his like childhood dream. So credit to him, whatever happens in fake baseball terms, he's made, you know, he's made the dream a reality. Um, yeah. I mean, his team is still really good. It, you know, I only have the stats going back five years or I've been doing it this way for five seasons for five, for five years, the top three teams have been Detroit, LA, St. Louis. And it's just a matter of like how you shuffle them around. So, so Detroit's number three. They're really good. They should win their division. Um, you know, his lineup is very good. A healthy Ricky is like just transformative. Um, again, Whitaker is very good. It gives him a little more lefty righty balance. He um, continually makes trades like in the last whatever season or two seasons, he's continually made trades to like get to get younger, but yet also more talented, like a, uh, I believe it's Chili Davis. On top of my head, I think it's Chili Davis. I don't have it in front of me, but you know, basically like a six seven seven or seven 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 talent, you know, center fielder. So, and, and I think that's just he's just consistently done that. So, so he's good now. He's going to remain good. And and again, I, I think he should win his division again. So yeah, I mean, he should be in it. And again, his defense, of course, is is also top half spine and overall. So that that's going to boost his uh, his rotation as well. Yeah. So. Here, the guy I'm watching is Matthews. Right? Greg Matthews is a guy he drafted a couple of years back um, who's at 19 uh, ratings, but 21 potential, right? So if he jumps from 19 to 21, now you've got a third elite starter in that rotation with a great defense and a great offense. Maybe Detroit then becomes the favorite. If not, then obviously he'll compete. He'll likely win his division and He's still one of the favorites, but I think give him another 21 rated starter. And I don't know who else, you know, then, then it's probably Detroit and St. Louis that we're watching in the world series. Um, yeah. I mean, the, a big part of the Whitaker deal was to reunite Trammell and Whitaker. Not going to lie. There were, there was some of that. I think there's some fit for both teams, but that was a, 
that was really the start of the conversation was, hey, you want to put Whitaker and Trammell on the same team? And you're like, sure. I'm like, all right, think about it and then let's do this. Well, I think also it was a financial decision because Sean is very calculating. He's in thinking ahead of two, three years ahead. Like, can I afford to keep this team together? And I think he kind of looked at Hubbard as one of those guys who's going to get priced out. So he's trying to get some kind of value for him. And just, you know, the fact that it was Whitaker, I think was the icing on the cake. Um, but he's in a great position where he's going to just keep winning this division for a while. Chicago could get there, but, uh, but Cleveland, Toronto are still far away. So the question is, can he, you know, he can get the job, but can he do the job, right? It's going to come down to guys like Matthews, Bankhead and King and Froworth. Like, can they step up and, you know, be the guys he traded for or drafted for? So it's going to come down to those guys if he can get over the top. Yeah, another guy he traded to me actually was Willie Aikens. And I, I think that, again, was a, a, a shrewd kind of financial decision. And also he did get Rick Leach. Rick Leach is six seven three six, so he's not great, but he's done. He's hit over three hundred the last few years. A combination of Havana and well, he's hit basically over three hundred the last two seasons in Havana. So um, maybe he's one of these guys outperforming his stats. For me, the two guys to watch are going to be Scott Bankhead because he uh, he's a six six eight, but he had a horrible year last year five point. Four five ERA after coming over from from Cleveland, um, so I expect he should uh, regress and and or regress to the the mean I should say because he was he was decent in in Cleveland uh, and it just had kind of a bad half season and then the other guy is Tippy Martinez who has been their closer for uh, on. It's like looking like a decade now he's had this guy. And last year he's a 4.57 ERA, which was almost double his career average, which is concerning. He still had 37 saves, but, um, you know, a 4.6 ERA is not great out of your closer and he's 35 years old. So you might see Detroit making a move to kind of shore up their, uh, shore up their bullpen a bit. He does have Tim Burke, who's really solid and he's probably grooming him to be the 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 next the next uh, closer on the staff. Well, I think you guys are right. Detroit is very good with their finances, and I'm, I think I've built a good reputation for being terrible at the finances. But um, on my end, part of this deal was financial. Hubbard has one more year on this deal, and Whitaker didn't. So while they're equal, they they make about the same now. Um, Hubbard has low greed. So actually, I I sort of on this occasion made the financial deal. Yeah, I mean, on, on my side, that was one of the big things. I don't even know what Whitaker's going to ask for, but I was dreading like another one of these Winfield-style signings where he's just like, well, Ted, give me $10 million because LA's got money and you're stupid, so you're going to give it to me. You can't let me walk. So I didn't even bother negotiating. I was just like, I'm going to trade this guy, get some something equal. And then Hubbard has that captain label, which I've never had on my team. So I was like, that's kind of cool. So I'll try that. Okay, moving on to number two. Number two is L.A. Um, L.A. won the President's Trophy last year. Pete, was that the first time? you? Yeah. That's the first time after all those years of winning the division, four straight, well, that, that was the fifth straight division title, your sixth straight playoff year. You finally, is the first time you broke 100 wins and the first time you came in first place overall. So congrats 
on that. Um, again, you were the top pitching team for the fifth year running. I like to look at the team year. I remember a few years back, you set you almost set the record for ERA. Yeah, in 83 and 84, your team ERAs were 273 and then 271. Last year, you were up to 304, but it was still uh, tops in the league. Uh, and your offense was sixth, so um, top half. So, Glenn, tell us about LA. What has changed with LA? Are they pretty much the same? Obviously, the Hubbard was the was was the Hubbard trade the biggest change. Well, I mean, Durker, right? So, well, I mean, yeah, right. He still has the best pitching, right? So, you still have the best starter. Subtract Durker, and still have the best starters in the league by five ratings points across five guys. I mean, you're fourth starter is a 22 rated starter i mean it is utterly disgusting it's just not as quite as disgusting as it you know as it used to be with dirk or Russell. so um and you got the best bullpen so you got the best starters the best bullpen therefore you know the best overall pitching team by a mile in a pitching park with actually good defense i guess peter you must have been paying more attention to defense or if you have i maybe didn't catch it but you have one of the best defensive uh, teams overall, so you're doing something right there. And then, like Tim was saying, I, I had your lineup in the not, you know, it's not the best, but it's certainly solidly in the top half. So, I mean, obviously, you're going to crush your division again and try your pitching in the short series again. So, I mean, maybe you're not the favorite to win it, but I don't know, dude, with those starters, uh, you, you're certainly in contention again. Yeah, I mean, there's been some concentration on defense. That was also that was the last piece of the Hubbard deal was the financials, the captain thing, and he's a better defender than Whitaker. I mean, Whitaker's top five defender, but Hubbard's probably one or two in the league at second base. Uh, shortstop, I have to figure out now with trading Mariano Duncan. My current plan is probably Don Money just to play defense and get some walks and home runs. Uh, but Jay Bell, I think, is close to coming up if I called him up now I think he'd be league average so he would be fine um, but I'm going to try to give him a little bit more time hopefully just win the division without him and then maybe he's like a Larkin comes up late um, I, the only thing I else I've got going on that I think is under the radar is because of his injury Greg Swindell wasn't on any of the top prospect list and he doesn't get calculated into my top farm but his current ratings are seven six seven. So, I mean, he's 20 rated. In theory, I could use him if I need to. And then his potential is 779. So, at some point, he could be something. Trade him for McGuire. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was the 12th rated prospect uh, midseason last year, and then he's not even on the list this year. It, just, it feels like an oversight somewhere. I, I think because he was on the injury list, because he had – so he had a 12-month or 10-month injury where his potential yeah. and his ratings actually went up. So he was fine. <laughs> oh, come on. Just, of course. That's, come on. <laughs> his stuff yeah. potential, his stuff ratings went up while he was injured. That's his May 19th, yeah. 1986, injured, partially torn UCL, out for 10 months, arm replaced with bionic arm. What? I've never <laughs> seen that. Yeah, yeah, LA, you can get anything fake. Yeah, I think he starts a year without a shortstop. That's probably, I think he can still, you don't need one, right? Just leave a big hole right there. 
Well, he has Don Money. That's the next next closest thing to not having a shortstop. <laughs> Dude, this technical guy who won the World Series with no center fielder. Of course, he can win the World Series with a shortstop. What difference it makes? Yeah. So you know, remember how we nitpicked on on Manhattan? So my nitpick on LA because obviously the pitching's top class. No one can even touch them. I would say the left side of their infield is the one weakness. Corey Snyder at third is. Um, yes, he's got the seven power, but um, he's yeah, six on defense. You know, he still seems like he's got some developing to do. And even that, well, no, he doesn't. He's cooked, but he's six, six, seven, four. So his OBP is not going to be that good. Done money at shortstop. He's a seven, which looks good, but he's 38 years old. Um, and his last two years, he's hit 186 and 205. So he's going to be. Um, Again, like Pete said, I think that's the probably the first thing you're looking to fix is is the shortstop situation. Yeah, probably Jay Bell. And if yeah. Snyder doesn't do well, then I have Mike Schmidt yeah. to play. Oh yeah, he'll give me a glove. Yeah, one other fun fact: your top prospects are all uh, spine defense. You've got shortstop Jay Bell, second base Robbie Thompson, and center fielder uh, Roberto Kelly. So that's, that's pretty cool. Although Kelly's not a great, uh, great fielder, but it's, it's just interesting that their top three prospects are all up the middle defense. Okay. Let's move on. Top team, St. Louis, um, St. Louis won their division last year after finishing a game out in 85, uh, they won 96 games, four straight playoff appearances. Um, still looking for the ring. Um, and last year they were fifth in offense, which was kind of a down year for them in recent times. Anyway, number three in pitching was about where they've been in the last few seasons, although the pitching was a little bit worse than in 85. So Glenn, what has changed with St. Louis and what is, what is your, what is your goal this year? Obviously, is it winning the world series? Do you think you've got a shot at it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if my guys stay healthy, it's the same problem every year, right? So, um, you, you don't want to crash, crash out in the semifinals again? like? Uh, no. I mean, if I go seven games to the team that ultimately wins it, you know, I mean, that feels like what's the difference between losing to LA in seven games in the series and losing to Manhattan in seven games in the semifinal, whatever, you know. Um, what did I do? I mean, all the trades I made were, or all the moves I made, trades and free agency, basically everything I did was to try and solve for Eric's park. So I... I, I ditched Willie Randolph, who was a six one eight, you know, no power, just I. Well, you know, Eric's entire team is, and also LA, they all have, they're all 488 or better. And so my, like, no contact and just walk and hit Dong's strategy is, like, basically canceled out. So, so, so I ditched those guys, or, like, I ditched uh, Willie Randolph, and then I... I traded for Jacoby to play third and move Hojo to left because um, that allows me to put Griffey on the bench, who's another like six one nine guy. So uh, Hojo is better defensively in left than he is at third, and Jacoby's radically better defensively at third. So I think that'll help my defense uh, in addition to solving my left-handed lean. So basically I got a lot more right-handed guys. I traded for Aguayo. Um, to play second base and, you know, whatever, three or four years ago, he was the worst cleanup hitter in the league, but arguably he's the best eight hitter in the league now. Right. So 
So there you go. So basically everything I did was just to like get more right-handed, get more power. And, um, and then I signed slot where I signed slot eight contact catcher. So, you know, Porter can't play forever. So when Porter goes down, I have a ready-made, you know, right-handed replacement. So that, I mean, pretty much that's it, you know? Yeah. I have St. Louis. I, I picked St. Louis to win it all. I did last year as well. Um, I'm picking them again. And again, if we're just in nitpicking mode, I mean, the weakness is a starting pitching in terms of age, right? It's, I think, who's the first guy off out of the minors? Probably Dickie Knowles, I'm guessing, or I, I don't know. Like if one, one or two of these starters go down long-term, I'm not sure there's a replacement outside of running out to do a trade. So again, the offense and defense, I don't think there's anything to knock. So it's not even worth it. Even Porter going down, I think you can easily survive with slot. The offense is good enough. Uh, I think the bigger problem is if one of these pitchers goes down. I think Schmidt may be the only one under 30. and He'll be about 29 within the first sim or two. So, you know, all the other guys are north of 30, a couple of them way north of 30. Yeah, we're going to have to expand again pretty soon. So you can dump this team. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, not, that's not entirely out of the out of the question by the way um all right so we wrap up there so we have uh less than two minutes any last minute um predictions or comments i think burks does win the rookie of the year nobody mentioned anybody else starting that i thought was much better if greenwell is still a rookie maybe he's the other guy i've got yeah, that will contend is. so i'm gonna go those two guys Probably to that, one too. Yeah. To me, that was the biggest change from this year. In 86, we had there were so many rookies starting. Um, and they weren't just uh drafted rookies either. Um, they were, you know, like first year rookies, some of them were drafted the year before, but um it this seems more back to normal where there's just you know a smattering of guys here and there. I think I've got I think good, I, I've got, and bonds going MVP and Cy Young. Uh, okay. I got McGrain going. Um, I mean, best case scenario, I think for him is like ten and ten if, with the record, but he's already listed as one of the top pitchers, and he hasn't thrown a pitch yet. So, oh, McGrain for rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's a good shout. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thanks to everyone. Uh, looking forward to an exciting season. I'll, I'll post updates on when the season will start. We'll get the season preview out um, in in the coming days. So. Until next time, here's the fake baseball. One goes out to